nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was going to tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian, did you hear that Kevin just wrecked his brand new Honda? No Oh man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He so deserved it. He is a terrible driver. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of when he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad. I hear you on that one, uh huh? Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. Hey, we're in the book of James. And as I continue to write this exciting title here, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of James. You're catching on. And we're going to read a brand new verse. I'm excited about it. Uh, book of James, chapter 1. Okay. You guys really didn't think we're in chapter 2, did you? Oh, that's good. James, chapter 1. Let's take a look there. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Woohoo! Cruising now. James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 to grab the context. Uh, of our study. Good stuff going on here. Once again, man, you talk about the Greek popping out. Just a verb tense, man, changes everything. And that's what we're going to see, Lord willing, today. James chapter 1, when you get there, say moo. Moo, that's a good enough consensus. Music to my ears, let's start. James, a servant of who? God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Again, the early church going forth. Consider it what? Pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance, something good. And perseverance, what? Must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now listen, there's a double bonus. We're going to get to this. Now, during that trial, listen, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask God. And God's stingy and he's going to make you go through the hoops and he's going to hold it out from you and make you grovel. And No, listen to this. He who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will, no doubt about it, it will be given to him. An amazing blessing. Again, so far we've seen in the context of our book of James study, it's the first uh, book written uh, chronologically in the New Testament. And the purpose is it's an acid test that the church, the scattered we saw there, is finally going out, doing what Jesus said to do, to be a witness for him uh, in the world. Uh, he provides this acid test. Why? Because as it was then, so it is today. There's a lot of people who go to church services and hang around and do church stuff, but that doesn't mean that they're Christians. And so when they get out there, he wants them to be a positive advertisement, a true advertisement. The last thing that God wants is when people go out in the name of Jesus Christ is to give the lost a false impression of Jesus Christ. 
let alone a false gospel, okay? So he provides this acid test, and we've saw so far that that first acid test is all around the issue of trials, okay? Do you hold on to Jesus in your trials? If you don't, if you walk away from Jesus, truly so, I'm an atheist, I'm going through the cold or whatever, blah, blah, blah. The Bible says you were not a Christian. I didn't say that, God did. Okay, that's clearly dealt with in the scripture. But the good thing for the Christian who goes through trials, because Christians, non-Christians, we all go through trials, is the good thing is he says there, listen, Christian, God's going to do something good in your trial. And we saw that several different times, right? But you also have the ability from God to go through those trials with joy. And that's the amazing news that we saw the last three verses. We can still have great uh, joy in our trials. Why? What's the whole purpose? Why would God do that? I think because he loves us, we're his children. But remember, what's the higher purpose? What's the purpose of this book? That we are out there in the world to be a positive witness for who? Jesus. And think about what a witness that would be. Can you imagine running into somebody who goes through trials just like you as a non-Christian, but this person, they go through trials too, but they have a different attitude. They've got this constant joy. Uh, They're just always on the, the positive side. There's just something about their countenance. There's something about their attitude. It's like, how do you do that? Right? So I really believe that this joy that we can have constantly, it's not just merely for us. I think that's part of it because God loves us as his children. But what's the higher purpose? What's the theme of this book? He wants you, Christian, to be a positive witness. Wouldn't that be a phenomenal witness to the lost? Just, where do you, what? Because the world tries to sell you, quote, happiness, not joy. And it always comes with strings attached and it never delivers. It always costs. But this is free. It's a great, wonderful witnessing tool. And the first way we saw we can have this constant joy so far in the book of James and be that positive witness is we need to look forward to the good that's in the trial. Remember we saw that for many, many weeks. We saw at least 20 great things that God's doing for the Christian in the trial. And then, of course, we saw the big one. If you're not a Christian, uh, the good is not only to expose you as a non-Christian, but it's to hopefully get you to heaven. That God sometimes will use our trials to lead us to him. Uh, I like what one guy said this. He said, the worth of a soldier is never known in times of peace. Isn't that good for Christians? Why is God allowing us to go through this? Because you're a soldier for him now. But the worth of a soldier, you don't find out what you're really made of in times of peace. Okay, the second way that we saw is to uh, not only to look forward, let's go ahead and do this, is to not only look forward to the, the good, okay, is we need to let it finish. Okay, as we saw, if you remember last time, we need to let it finish uh, it's work. We have to uh, not resist the trials. We have to not run from them. We don't hate them. We milk these babies for all they're worth. Why? Because if you don't allow it to finish its course, verse 4 says, then you're going to miss out on the blessing, okay? You're not going to learn the lesson that's for your good, okay, if you resist this or run from it. And God's more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. So guess what? You're not only going to miss the blessing, but you're going to take one of those spiritual laps, You're going to learn it sooner or later. You might as well. The idea and the verb in the Greek there is submit to it. The idea is just submit to it with joy and learn it the first time. Okay? Now we come to the third way that we can be that positive witness for Jesus, how we can have that constant joy in the midst of our trials. And this is this. We need to let something else happen. We need to let God, key word there, give you his uh, wisdom. Let God give you his his wisdom and that's there in verse 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom what should he do call 1-800 psychics man you see the commercials i mean i know it's uncomfortable and is it really real i mean it's really impersonal oh boy psychic they're even offering can you believe that 
The whole, underline this, he should ask God. Four words, that's all we're getting to today because I really think this is the crux of why we make our trials even worse. We don't, I mean, we, how many times have we read over this and we skip over those four words, but we don't even do it. If you're going through a trial, if you're in a pickle and you need some great advice during a trial, anybody need to know what to do in the midst of a trial you've ever been in? All right, so what's, what's the scripture say to do? It's simple, go to God last after everything else. Well, that's usually what we do. You know, you need to go God first. I like what one guy said. He says, prayer, prayer, going to God, communicating with him, presenting your request to him. Okay, prayer is not a spare tire in the trunk. First priority, you need to go to God. One guy said this, so you're going through a trial, you're going through a struggle, you're trying to sort it out, you're asking questions about why is this happening, why is it going on, questions like Job asked, and you're wondering how can you grasp this? How can you get an understanding on the issues of life? Why are you going through this? Why is this affecting you? In those times, in all those times, when you cannot sort out the issues of life, you ask God. Now, what's interesting here, just like with the submit thing we saw last time, this is not an option. This is actually a command in the scripture. You need to go to God. You ask God. He didn't say ponder about thinking about. He didn't say, you know, call somebody else up on the phone and think of maybe could you, what do you think? Should I ask God? This is a command. You need to go to God. Just like we need to submit to it, don't ponder it, uh, don't uh, uh, run from it, don't hate it, don't resist it. Your knee-jerk reaction Christian when we go through a trial, bang, you immediately go to God. It's a command. Now, double whopper in the Greek here. It's not just you need to go to God. This is a command. Listen, in the Greek, it's a continual command. This is wild. It's, uh, to me, I'm just, it's like God screaming out of the text. Listen, I'm not just saying this is what you need to do. And this isn't just what I'm telling you to do. The Greek literally says, you need to keep on doing this. It literally says there, you need to not just go to God. It says you need to keep on going to God. Let me read to you what the Greek actually says. In fact, let me back up and give you the full flavor of what's going on in verse 5. In the English, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now listen to what the Greek literally says, with the verb tensing and everything. And if, as is the case, any of you, when undergoing these trials, is deficient in wisdom... Let him keep on presenting his request in the presence of the giving God who gives to all with simplicity and without reserve and who does not reproach the recipient in any manifestation of displeasure or regret and it shall be given to him. And the first aspect there, this is, it's amazing, wonderful comfort for us as Christians. But he says there, listen, I'm not just commanding you to come to me. I'm telling you, you need to come to me continually. It says there, listen, let him keep on presenting his request in the presence of the giving God. Don't stop. Why? Well, I think part of it is because when you go to God in prayer, okay, he answers all the prayers, okay, every single time. Did you know that? He's not there going, mm -hmm, I can't hear you, mm -hmm, playing little games. Okay, it's just he does it in three different ways. Okay, he either says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not now or not yet. Okay, you got to wait. And it's usually in the no, in the waiting, that we assume that he didn't hear it. No, he hears this every time. But sometimes he's going to say, wait. So what do you do? <laughs> no, you keep on. You keep on presenting your request. Like the lady who came to the judge repeated, you just keep on. Keep on coming to God. And you just keep on, as we're going to see the other aspect of this, and don't doubt, 
But you keep on, you don't doubt. He's going to let you know. If anybody wants you to know his will, don't you think it's God? Who wants us to follow his will? God. So why when we say, God, I need to know your will. What's going on? Why, what do you want? How can I please you in this? Remember those questions? What's my responsibility in this? How would my attitude change about this? Okay. If anybody wants you to know, it's God. He's not going to go up there. Well, I want you to know my will, but I'm going to play a game with you. <laughs> 20 questions. Guess. He's going to, oh man, wait till we, Lord willing, get that far. He's going to pour it out on you like you can't even believe. You just keep going to him. Don't doubt. And it's coming. It's coming. Anybody get excited about when your birthday comes up or, or well, usually when you get older, it's just another day, isn't it? Uh, or something, whatever, something exciting. You're getting ready for vacation. Heading, you're just, it gets more exciting the closer you get, right? And this is the same thing. Maybe you're asking God for wisdom in this trial. Maybe he hasn't told you yet. Okay, you got to wait. But it should, instead of getting, oh, he's never, never answered. Instead of doing that, you should be getting more excited. Well, maybe it's today. Maybe it'll be an hour from now. Maybe it'll be t tomorrow. And we should get excited. We need to keep on going to him. Okay, continually. Why? Because think about it. God is the ultimate source of wisdom. How many guys can figure that out this morning without any help? Thank you for... <laughs> Which means, listen, did you realize when we go to God and we keep going to God, even if you got to wait and you keep on going, when he does and he will, if you don't doubt, when he does, do you realize he's never going to give you bad advice? There's no question about that. Did you know God will never steer us wrong? Did you know that God doesn't lie like man? Did you know he's not deficient like man? God is the ultimate source of knowledge. He is omniscient, all-knowing. All means all. Past, present, future. He knows it all. Nobody's bigger than him. Nobody's smarter than him. So man, if you needed some advice and you somehow could have the ability to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the creator of the universe, wouldn't that be cool to have that at your fingertips? And God says, listen, that is what comes with the relationship with me now through Jesus. And so when you're in a trial, I love you, you're my child. You not just come to me, you keep on coming to me. And I'm going to blow you away, okay? God knows everything. Now, here's the problem. When trials hit, what do we do? Do we continually keep going to God? Okay, we forget, don't we? And we continually do something, all right? We continually go to other sources other than God, making our trials worse and not doing what he says to do or waiting for him to tell us what to do. And we crack and we cave in and we wonder why things get 10 times worse. It's because we don't continually go to God. So I want to dispel three things that uh, we seem to be, at least I've learned in my walk with Jesus, that we need to get out of this knee-jerk reaction to go to something else other than God when the trials hit. Okay, and the first one that we seem to go through, there's Lord one three, is our feelings. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings. You guys remember that song? That's about the only line I remember from that song. But anyway, that's why, and that's probably good. Uh, feelings, don't trust your feelings. But don't we do that? Isn't that what the world says today? You got to do what feels right, man. Just follow your heart, and that will tell you what to do in this trial. Isn't that the baloney? Well, the Bible says you better not trust the heart. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. And uh, man, that's the last place you want to go. Okay? But yet that's the mantra of the world today, isn't it? Just got to follow your heart. Whatever feels right. It's up to you. Okay, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah, of course, as you turn there, was written by... 
Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And uh, verse 5, let's take a look here. I think it's pretty obvious in the text. You don't want to trust man. You don't want to trust yourself. Okay? Uh, and God gives a great analogy of, here's what you can expect if you do do that anyway. Okay? Jeremiah 17, verse 5 says this. This is what the who says. The Lord says. In other words, pay attention. Cursed is the one who puts his trust in who? Man. Who depends on the what? Flesh for his strength. And whose heart turns away. What's the context? When you go through the trial, you are commanded not only to go to God, you are commanded to continually go to God. And he says right here, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Here's what you get. You're going to be like a bush in the wastelands. You're not going to see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where nobody lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. <clears throat> its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Why? Because, listen, when you go the other route, it's, here's the problem. Don't trust in man. The heart is what? Deceitful. Listen, it's not just deceitful. It's deceitful what? Above all things. And it's beyond cure. Who can understand that thing? Right? So the Bible says that uh, contrary to what society would say, the human heart is not a very good source of advice or wisdom. Right? In fact, it says right there, it's not only wicked, it is downright deceitful. You can't trust the thing. Okay? Why? Because if you notice, your feelings can lead you astray. Right? Well, I felt like it was a great idea, right? Or I got up and I just felt like this was the thing to do. Or I was in this circumstance and it felt like it was the way to go. And how many of you guys got burned by that? So why would you want to listen to something that is completely downright deceitful and wicked in and of itself, the old man, instead of God? Listen, especially in hard times when you need it the most. Why would we want to do that? And say, well, I'm just going to do what it feels right. In fact, I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes when does our heart, when does our flesh want to be appeased the most? When you're going all the time, but especially when you're in hard times, you feel like, yeah, it's playtime. I deserve it because I'm going to this hard time, right? And sometimes that leads to sin, okay? But why would we want to do that? Folks, I don't care how good something feels. It doesn't make it right, nor does it make it a wise thing to do. But here's the problem. As long as we would rather listen to our feelings instead of our Heavenly Father, we are headed for trouble. Now, I can sit up here. I want to get to at least three points today. I can give you story after story after story, man. And I'm sure you guys got your own of what happens when you don't listen to God. You instead listen to your own feelings because it felt right and how much of a nightmare uh, it turned out. I'm just going to share with you one story. This is uh, unfortunately true. Uh, this was uh, uh, in high school. After high school, my friend and I worked for uh, my dad at this uh, uh, brick plant. They also had this uh, pottery. They made pottery that shipped around the Midwest back in Kansas. And uh, so we did that after high school at night. And, uh, and so it, it was just a really boring, monotonous, uh, tedious job. It literally was just hour after hour. You just would take these clay pots, right, and uh, just pop them in a box, you put in like five in a box, whatever, six in the box, and here comes the, the, um, the saucer thing, whatever. Whether you tape it up, whatever, and here's the box. Here it comes with some more. You just put it in the box, put it in the box. It's just it, mindless, boring, monotonous work, right? So we're sitting there in the middle of this uh, uh, extremely boring work uh, at night, all by ourselves, and all of a sudden, we got an idea to help alleviate our boredom. We felt like it was a good idea. I'm not kidding you. Here's what we did. We decided to mark one of the bottom of the pots with our black magic markers that were supposed to be reserved for the outside of the box. 
But we decided to use it on the bottom of this random pot, okay, that, hey, uh, quote, uh, you are the lucky owner of the one millionth piece of pottery that this company has produced, and if you return it, you'll be refunded $10,000. Oh, dude, it sounded like, a, it was, it, it, honestly, it worked. It alleviated our boredom. We chuckled at our creativity. It felt it's so awesome. And we made it through the night. And I, to be honest with you, we completely forgot about it, okay, until about three months later. My dad randomly calls us into his office, right? And we, for the life of us, this is three months later, right? We'd forgotten all about that. We're like, what, what's, what do we do now? We, we didn't do anything. We, we, we were literally, we're, it's like, this makes no sense. What do you call us in here for? We get in there, and we're like, well, what's the big deal? Until, and he was, he was in there, like, going like this. Do you know what that look that dad gives you, like your life's in jeopardy? Okay, and doing this number. And we're like, we're like still going, like, what, what do we do now? Until our eyes met with our wise idea on his desk. I kid you not, some customer, some lucky customer... <laughs> Uh, took our method of alleviating our boredom seriously. And they wanted a $10,000 credit to their account. Yeah, we didn't feel good after that meeting with my dad. And, uh, but uh, it taught me a powerful lesson. Spur of the moment. Of course, that's a funny one. Okay, that's a funny example, right? Uh, but how many times uh, do we ourselves listen to our feelings, our knee-jerk reaction, and it's not funny? Okay. Uh, Dad let us off the hook with the $10,000. The, at first, they were persistent. No, we demand, and they, they finally backed off once Dad explained it was a joke. I don't know if he said it was from his own son, but anyway, I never asked him that. <laughs> okay, but, uh, but sometimes when we react with our feelings instead of going to God, it creates a nightmare, doesn't it? Because our flesh wants revenge. We went, oh, you know, it feels right. You're going to get, you right? And it makes things worse. James says, listen, you want that uh, continual joy? then you continually go to God. Don't let a knee-jerk reaction, the first thing you do when you hit a trial, don't go to your feelings. It's the last place you want to go. It's deceitful, it's fickle, you need to go to God, especially when hard times hit. We, and I really think this is part of the deal, because you can, you, can you can know these 20 different amazing, awesome reasons why God is allowing this trial to hit. We can know that. But I think that this is really where it helps to continually keep that joy going. It's to not just acknowledge the good, it's to go to the good place to get the good wisdom we need to make good out of this trial. And that is God. We know that as Christians, we say that as Christians, we'll preach on it as Christians, but when the rubber hits the road and the trials come, oftentimes we don't go to God. We go somewhere else. And we wonder why things get worse. So don't go to your feelings. The second place uh, is not only your feelings, is your friends. Because we all know that our friends are omniscient like God and everything they've ever told us in life is wonderful. Yes, that's not true either. Job chapter 42 is the text there. He learned that. He had a couple 